Hello, and welcome to Shakespeare, the roundtable discussion podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer. Today, we talk about the supposed comedy, Taming of the Shrew. Today, we talk about the supposed comedy, The Taming of the Shrew. If you like what we're doing here, please support us at our network Patreon, patreon.com slash ghostlightmedia. I bring this up especially this time because uh, the day that this comes out is also the day that our special Patreon-exclusive episode comes out, where Beth and I sit down and watch the cinematic occurrence that is Tom Hooper's Cats. Um, We talked about it afterwards. We had some things to say about it. If you want to check it out, as well as all of our previous backer episodes with this show, as well as everything else that is on the Ghostlight Media Network, it is yours if you donate at the Encore level. And with that, on with the show. Well, intrepid husband. Yes, my dear. Are we ready to begin? Oh, we've recorded already. Young. Oh. So you're just recording us sitting here. Yeah, I I was honestly expecting. You were okay. So you were clicking buttons long enough that yeah, we just we, assumed yeah, you were we still messing with the audio. Picking with stuff, so we uh, we were waiting. <laughs> Did you know Chase got a new job? Job title? Dicking with stuff. Dickin with stuff. <laughs> uh, please, 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 Mister Dicking with stuff. I'm sorry, I Esquire. The manager of Dicking with stuff. He's we knew dick and manager. <laughs> Most managers are dicking with stuff. <laughs> Ain't that a fact? So yeah, we uh, we got the band back together. It's kind of weird. I don't know what to do. Yeah, uh, I've gotten kind of used to recording separately, but it was that was super weird. Well, we're gonna so. be we're gonna be doing a lot more of that coming up here. Yeah, the nice thing about recording separately is that I don't have to stop drinking so that I can drive home. Mm-hmm. Um, the bad part is I didn't stop drinking so I can drive home, which made Sundays much worse. Mm. Well, and, and, uh, it's, it's weird not, I don't know, there's a certain, like, I don't think we lost too much by not being in the same room. Would I you say there's a je ne sais quoi? Yes, there's a certain je ne sais quoi to, uh, recording in the same space, uh, when we do this. Yeah, how else do we get moments, like when Chase wears chain mail? To protect the house from oncoming marauders to, during the snowstorm. In case of marauders. <laughs> it was Nobody important. is wearing chain mail today. It's too hot. It's Not too with hot. that attitude. Too warm for chain mail today. You can wear chain I mail. I don't want to. It's too hot. <laughs> 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 yeah, so we apologize if in the background of this there's, you know some noise from the ceiling fan but we're not turning it off oh no. my god i can't even imagine uh, a world it's where it's gross off. outside it is a million i do degrees. have to turn off the office ceiling fan for um for ap recording and it is hell can you at least because i know that there's an air conditioning in the bedroom right yes yes so can you close the doors to the rest it of the house help much no we can but it's not that powerful so it, does, it doesn't really travel in the And other so room. once you try to cool more than one room, everything in the apartment just becomes like lukewarm. Oh, I hate that. I will go ahead and Tattoo. say that is probably the best couple hundred dollars that we have ever spent. Agreed. Because we bought that when we first moved back to BG and it has seen annual use because apparently we just refuse to get apartments that have air conditioning. No sin. So wonderful. No, no exquisite rapture. 
And a, if a we central didn't air. have that, I would have gone all uh, heat cranky and probably killed you before now. Oh, so. certainly. Yeah, I I have central air in my house, but the two stories mean that the... All right, here's a husband story. So this week, it is 90 plus degrees in northern Ohio. It's terrible. I hate it. It's not great. Everything's awful. Hell. I came home and I was like, Chris, can we turn... I need you to go and turn the air conditioning down. It's really hot. So he goes and he does it and I go in there in a little bit just to check the temperature it's at now and it's at 72. I'm like, babe, did you turn it down? He goes, oh yeah. I'm like, if 72 was down, what was it at? He goes, I it was higher. <laughs> 76 is what he was trying to roll at. That's hot. He's like, oh, you just wanted an ice cube in here. No. I need right now from the three of you vindication that seventy six is too hot. To oh no, seventy six is too hot. It's too hot. Yeah, Thank no, you. We're, we're the looking, temperature is too damn high. We are looking at minimum sixty nine degrees. And he like it's not like it was the first time I had complained about it. It was just the first time I had been forceful about you need to turn the air down. What had it been at seventy six? How long did you think that was going to happen? He goes, I don't know, till July. <laughs> He, he didn't I almost murdered that earlier, him. <laughs> earlier this week, it turned into July, right? No, that's why he said July. He's like, I don't know, July. Because he got that's, until July 2nd, yeah. probably. Because we've right. got. Like, that's such an arbitrary fucking date. No, he just picked the date that it was at. He's like, I thought I would get to, mm, I don't know, today. So the way that the heat flow in this house works is that our bedroom where the AC is, is beautiful. And then the living room, which gets most of the overflow from it, is usually tolerable. And then as you move, you know, east in the house, it gets warmer and warmer. And the kitchen is always unbearable, especially if we have to have the oven on. And then it's it's hell in there. How did you make that lemon cake? It was not. I suffered. He bad. did. He suffered for my birthday while I napped in the air conditioning oh, yeah, bedroom. Take a moment. Happy birthday to you. All right. And we won't him. do that. And to him. Yeah. Say we've passed two birthdays. And an anniversary. And an anniversary, because we did that on purpose. Yeah. C2G2. That's right. Yeah, his his our birthdays are, are 10 days apart, and so we got married smack dab in the middle of them just to make things difficult for my parents, if you listen to my mother. Well, that ends. Obviously, that was the only reason. Simultaneously, more, more people do than should, and fewer people do than should. I don't know how that math works, but it's the, it's the truth. What do you mean? Getting married close to their birthdays? No, listen to uh, my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Mom. She's great. Wendy's great. I don't, does Wendy listen? Uh, my mom still asks about how can I watch your podcast, so no. <laughs> because my mother still has a, a blessedly uh, so secretly poor understanding. She's, listening and she's just saying things like, oh, I really like the basket that guy made in the football game last night. <laughs> no, my parents are... Uh, oh, he made a goal right there. My parents are very proudly vocal about the fact that they do not follow sports at all. We call it Luddite. When you're proud. I'm not knowing. So actually, now I'm curious. Do your folks know about this? Yeah, my mom actually just gave me a hard time today. She's like, I didn't know you, because I said I had to record tonight. And she's like, I didn't know you did a podcast. And I said, I have told you before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and and my Aunt Diane, who happened to be over for, uh, for the fourth, um, looks at my mom and goes, 
No, I knew about it. I had to have heard about it here. <laughs> I listened to it once. I said, yeah, it's not everybody's cup of tea. No. <laughs> My parents are fully aware. Okay. Um, They want to support the Shakespeare stuff. They just haven't yet. My mother is incredibly supportive of everything I do. She doesn't listen, though. Sure. Um, Because... <laughs> If she wants to hear me say crude things, she can just call me. <laughs> that is a, she doesn't have to that is a similar podcast. relationship that I have with my mother. Um, she's super proud that we sit around and like, she's like, I love that you sit around with your friends and talk Shakespeare. I think that's wonderful. I'm like, yeah, we get completely uh, schnockered and cussed into microphone. She goes, you had to put it that way? Did you have to put it that way? I'm like, oh, yeah. It's yeah. how, look, did. one, say that path? that's how Bill would have wanted it. Yeah. And two... Uh, my mother is the exact same way. Um, she is not Shakespeare read at all. Um, and so every so often her, you know, her running buddies will ask her, you know, you know, what, what her kids are doing. And she will explain that I do podcasts and they will say, Oh, what kind of podcasts? And my mom will try and dodge it the same way that I would in general company. Um, and then eventually, like, it will come out that I do Shakespeare and D&D podcasts, at which point the conversation ends. Like, oh, does he still live in the basement? <laughs> does he have a um, neck beard? My No? My no dad beard. and stepmom also know. Um, they were perplexed until they found out about the Patreon and that people do support this monetarily. Thank and you. We, which, of which we are yes. incredibly grateful. Yes, very thankful. Thank you. And uh, at which point they were like, oh, okay. I love the concept of Patreon. Yeah. That I can be like, you know what? I dig that. And I, cause for years we would read a really good book and be like, you know what? If I ever met this author, I'm going to give him like a dollar and a beer because this is great. Mm-hmm. Well, Patreon lets me just give a dollar. Right. You can just sign up and just, yeah. Here's a buck. Yeah. I like what I like, you do. I like your shit. It's so better than a go. like button. All right. Speaking of things that work hard. <sighs> no, nope, make it work. Make uh, it work. I can't. The She's trying to make the there. segue work it's not, real hard. It's not going to work, but we should probably get into this. We should. So, yeah, we should probably say that this is the Shakespeare podcast. I'm Ryan Halfhill. I'm Beth Roars. I'm Cassie Greenley. I'm Chase Greenley. I think it should be noted that Chase and I have been drinking since about six. Yeah, it's it's not been a heavy drinking, but no, but it is that... nine thirty, um, and this is at least you know drink three for both of us. And if Cats comes up. There's a reason. Yeah. If uh, there, if cats comes up, you should really be donating to our Patreon at the encore level, where you can hear Beth and I kind of talk about cats, mostly ramble off in like eight different directions. We talked about it. I had a structure. You did, kind of, for a bit. But uh, tonight on the Shakespeare podcast, we're going to be talking about a fan favorite. Yeah. No. But also... No, it is a, it is a fan it's favorite. It's a fan favorite, but for... also incredibly problematic play. Starting with the title. The title is problematic. Uh, Yes, the title in question is The Taming of the Shrew. I like it when people call me a shrew, because bitches get shit done. I you got nothing. I don't feel the need to call you a small rodent, but... Other people have. Your voice is shrill, and you're a shrew. This one's this one's interesting. It is. So, Ryan's right. It's a fan favorite. 
for some reason. A this lot is, of people love this play. I know. I've been in it don't understand multiple it. times. This is one of the few that I You have, did it twice in one year. I did it twice in one summer. Yeah. We completed a we completed it and then went up to Toledo and did it again. And that's very strange to me because this is one of the few Shakespeare plays that I I read it for Stephanie Gearhart's class. I've seen snippets of it performed. I read it again today. And this is one of the few where I sit and look at it and go, I I don't understand how people in good conscience put this play on. So I have to think it comes back to, I was told growing up, you'll love Taming of the Shrew. You'll really relate to it. And I think a lot of people are told, oh, you should watch Taming of the Shrew. It's very good. And so people hear that they should like it, or it's one of the most known of his there's plays. Some, there's some adaptations of it that are out there that are really, uh, really good that take some of the sting no. out of it you have in to, ways. You have to do so much to it yeah. to make it so, not reprehensible to put on a and there are, there are there are two two ways to to direct it um well technically there's three there's the just like straight down the middle way where i think it's it's not great right it's just uh this is this is the play as the text is and this is how we're going to do it and then there's taking it and trying to wring every bit of comedy out of it while avoiding anything that's potentially so, uh, a problematic. And, I know, and then the, the other way to go is the dark route. I know that we will, by the end of this two-episode arc, have come up with, oh, okay, I could get behind it if we directed it like this, if it was seen like this, if I could get people to notice this. We'll come up with something because we always do. Well, I've already had at least six hours of conversation in that direction with Jeff Sneed about this play. Oh, good. Everybody yeah. needs some Sneed. Feel the need for Sneed? I feel the need for Sneed. I think it's impressive that we've gone this long <laughs> in this podcast without making, without bringing up Jeff Sneed and making those jokes. Because um, for an extended period of time, that young man was kind of a staple in local... Theater, in local yeah. theater, and I don't think we've actually made, we've brought him up or made those jokes. Which is true, because he played the ingenue in a lot of shows. Yeah. Like a lot of them. He played my twin in Twelfth Night, and I don't think we talked about that last time. No, we didn't. And Which is strange. I think it might have been mentioned, but other than Maybe. that. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, but like, I also <laughs> can't think of two people who look less alike. Oh, well, me and Justin Betancourt, which was the original casting of my oh, twin. God. <laughs> Justin Betancourt and I are not the same race. No. So, Jeff Sneed and I are the same race. I guess you're right. Yeah. Um, I also do want to point out, like, a bit of a tangent, but I just had the inspiration to actually look this up. My introduction to uh, Taming of the Shrew, as well as Midsummer Night's Dream, was a uh, Shakespeare for Children CD, which apparently you can still buy on Amazon. Oh, <laughs> it's, okay. It's a do tell. It's a double <laughs> header of Midsummer and Taming. That's an interesting. Pairing. I did. I did have side by side, plain language text mm -hmm. of sh of Midsummer and Taming, um, and 
Othello, which I think is a weird one. Yeah. For kids. Just saying. Um, but yeah. I, I, and I still have my Midsummer one. I don't know where the other two are, but I still have the Midsummer one because I have a thought on how to actually put that up. But let's get into this yeah. because we have a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings about this play. Not but all we of should, them great. But we should get through the plot yeah. first. Yeah. Because I know there, we're going to be tempted to go off on tangents right. through this whole thing. There are some so, really good words in this play, and I think that yes. does draw some people in. But there, And there, yeah. are, there are words that I say frequently. I tell my children, fie, fie, unknit thy troubled brow, all the time when they make that scally, stupid face. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. I rub them between their eyes. I'm like, fie, fie, unknit thy brow. <laughs> That's a very good mom move. Thank, thanks. I'm a halfway decent one it, I, when I'm not throwing them in the pond. I, Although I did throw them in a trampoline with Pat Mahood today. So Yeet the children. Yeet, Yeet for children. It's good for their proprioception. Yeet. It's true. Um, but yeah, so this is, this is actually a play within a play, and both plays are about gaslighting. <laughs> it's true. So shall we talk about Christopher Sly? I mean, I guess. So I feel like Christopher Sly is... He's in the funny. opening two scenes and then disappears, right, and you don't see him again ever. And, and for the most part, he's cut out. A yes. lot of, a lot of pr- productions cut him out. Right. But if you look at this as somebody telling an allegory, nope, it's still reprehensible. But <laughs> it, it could be. It could be. All right. So, drunken Christopher Sly. I wonder who he's talking about. Christopher Sly, who's drunkenly saying that he's a good guy of noble birth while he's being kicked out of a bar. Could it, could it be Kit Marlowe? Could it, could it be? I, I don't know. Could it be a low blow? Who, who we could be talking about. It's Burbage. <laughs> it's Burbage. It's fucking Burbage. Everything's Burbage. <laughs> no, it's it's definitely not there's, Marlowe. There's no way. There's uh, a whole play for you, a whole podcast for you. Me blaming everything on <laughs> fucking Richard Burbage. Burbage. I'm good at making weird stuff stick, so test me. It's fuck Burbage, the podcast. Fuck Burbage, the podcast. But yes, yeah, so we meet Christopher Sly is getting thrown out of a tavern for being drunk, and he like passes out drunk in the street. And a lord happens by and he goes, well, who's this? Oh, a drunk guy? Let's play a really funny joke on him. What should we do? <laughs> Why don't we dress him up like a lady? Let's fuck with this guy. And so they bring him into his house and this lord goes, okay, here's the deal. Um, when he wakes up, you're going to tell him that he is a lord who has been in a coma for 15 years. My page is going to dress up as his wife and we're totally going to convince him that he's nobility. And it just reminds me, I don't know if you guys watch New Girl, but there's a character in the sitcom New Girl named Winston who... I do you know Winston? He the always running, takes things to the dark side. The running joke is that his he likes to prank people, but his pranks are either way too small or way too big. Yeah. And this feels like a way too big Winston prank. It is. It's kind of like <laughs> locking somebody in a closet and trying to torture them. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like that. All right. Um, and so Christopher Sly wakes up and the servants are like, oh, my Lord, we're so glad that you're awake. You're finally out of that coma. He's like, I'm not a Lord. Yes, yes, you are, my Lord. Here, here's your wife. It's not just a dude in a dress. It's your wife. It's your lady wife. Would you like some wine? Uh, no, I like beer. Oh. No, you're a gentleman. You must drink wine. wine. Don't you remember that you're a gentleman? And eventually goes, well, I'd rather be a gentleman than a drunk who has no money. So, so sure. sure. 
So they, they set about like trying to teach him all the ways to be a nobleman. I want to know where the fuck this was going to go. <laughs> right? Like at what point? To, like, all right. So we've all, has everybody seen Trading Places? Wonderful. Yes. Danny Aykroyd, uh, God that he is, mm. uh, the truest treasure of the North. This feels like trading places, only they didn't know how to end it. So I imagine that two old men, like the the lord that finds him and another lord, just like exchange a dollar <laughs> later when they're able to ruin his life. Yeah. And so, you know, at, at one point, once they've convinced him, okay, yes, I'm a lord and this is my wife. They're like, oh, we've got these players who are coming in and they want to perform a play for you. He's like, okay, that sounds cool. And then we get into Taming of the Shrew. So why? We're going to perform a play for you. Uh, to distract you from your wife, Bartholomew, here. Right. And so, and my copy says, are you just writing Y on a pin? I'm writing Y Sly. Y Sly. Y Sly. So, that's considered the prologue. Okay. It's, it's yeah, it's a, it's. It's the induction. It's the right? induction. Into and the you know play. what? I am going to blame it on Richard Burbage <laughs> when we get to Y Sly. Um, cause why not? Why not blame Burbage? Why not? So, my, my, thing lists this next part as act one scene one yeah so the fact that christopher sly is always cut out of this is normal because it doesn't make sense well, and because he doesn't come back no no there are no like more scenes it's not like when he's they, in act five scene five or whatever and there like, are there are snippets that have been found like snippets of christopher sly scenes because my norton has them in an addendum but they're not full scenes. No. And there's no proof that they were ever performed. So it's like, here's this character because I want to make fun of Kit Marlowe and now you're never going to see him again. That and, was a pointless. And we're going to set him up to sit here and watch this play. And those scenes aren't short either. Like, no. they're... I mean, it would take you about 15 minutes yeah, to put it on. Yeah, that's but... like 15 minutes of your play on characters that literally you're never going that to see again. That you never see again. So yeah, why sly? We're gonna we're gonna touch on that later. But when we get to the actual play, Taming of the Shrew, let's start out in Padua, 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 which is in Italy. It, of it's, course, it's, it's near Italy. it's near Verona because everything Where we is. Our scene. Everything's in Verona. Petruchio two, of no, two houses. Petruchio mm-hmm. of Verona, who is a character, main character in this play, he is mentioned in Romeo and Juliet. <gasps> It's part of the STU. It's he part of goes, the STU. He goes to the party with the yep, the, the Capulets throw because he's one of the people that the nurse identifies later. Like, oh, that's Petruchio. Young Petruchio over there. We need a friar. And we need him now. No, the friar already exists. It's the same friar. He's not in this show, but it's the same guy. This show could only be improved by the addition of a friar. Agreed. Who puts this everybody sh- under a deep sleep and they never <laughs> wake up. <laughs> A friar who just shows up, looks at this shit show, and goes, you know what's going to happen if all of you pretend that you're dead? It's the only way to fix everybody, this. Everybody needs to take a fucking nap right now. Why did you Medically make him marry her? Nap. Why did you make her marry him? That's terrible. But anyway, just let Blanca do what you want. We meet Lucentio and his servant, Tranio, who are coming to visit Baptista. They're here to learn. They're students. Well, Lucentio is a student. Tranio is the servant of, yeah. So he's here to learn. And we meet Baptista, who has a problem. He has two daughters. One who is fair and virtuous, Bianca. 
and one who is, I don't know, a shrew. Katarina. So what the fuck does that? Never mind. And Katarina's the oldest daughter, and nobody likes her. Because she's a shrew. Because she's a shrew. And Bianca is, is also not quite very fond of her, but that's for different reasons. Yes. And so for so s- the shrewness does come into play. Yes. For some reason, Baptista believes that his first daughter must be married before his second daughter. Which is why Bianca is not too fond of her sister. Yes. Because nobody wants to marry Katerina. And Bianca has plenty of suitors. Bianca has like four. Yeah. She's got like four guys. Basically a handful. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, so we meet Baptista, who's bemoaning his uh, existence of his daughter. And then his daughter shows up and he's like, oh, look at this horrible woman who I hate. And I was like, well, maybe if that's how you always treat her, there's a reason. Maybe maybe don't be a dick. Maybe don't be a dick to your daughters. If you, um, yep. So if you constantly tell one that they're terrible and you hate them and you constantly tell the other one that she is beautiful and perfect, guess how it's actually going to be? Yeah. But we meet in this scene, we meet all of Bianca's suitors. We meet Gremio. Hortensio. Hortensio. And then Lucentio, who isn't a suitor yet. He's just come to study. But as soon as he sees Bianca... Isn't it nice that they rhyme? I'm particularly fond of the fact that this play has both a Gremio and a Grumio. That's not confusing at all. Thanks, Shakespeare. Not even a little bit, Let's right? call one Gremlin. <laughs> Gremlin and Groomman. Oh. gremlin But, so, Gremio... Gremlin is, like, this super old dude, and Hortensio is, like, a non-entity who has no personality. Um, he's, he is Petruchio's friend. Yeah, he's... Which is the only reason Hortensio yeah. is around is because he becomes a plot device. Yes. And so Lucentio hears about, oh, this daughter that everybody wants to marry, and Baptista's like, yeah, you can marry my oldest daughter if you wanted to. Does anybody, anybody want to marry Katarina? You, anybody here for her? You could take her right now. Like, I'll give you money. To take her away. She's called a dowry. That's a dowry. Though. He was going to give her duck hat, give duck hats anyway. Accurate. Paying someone to take your daughter is also problematic, but we're not going to discuss this right now. Fact, but that is a problem with history and not with this play. I have a lot it's of a problems problem with both. All yes. Right. So, having never met Bianca alone, having never been alone with her, in fact, I think just like having heard about her. He, and how much everybody else wants her. He's decided, yes. Yeah, I don't Lucentio even... Actually, yeah, decides, in the beginning, he doesn't, he doesn't even see her first. He's going to swap clothes with his servant. His servant will pretend to be him. Yep. And he will be a schoolmaster. Because they're looking for a schoolmaster to teach the girls, of course. Because um, there, there are three problems that Lucentio is dealing with. The first is, somebody's got to marry Katerina. The second is, whoever wants to marry Bianca has to get her father on board. And the third is, whoever wants to marry Bianca has to get Bianca on board. And so he doesn't really have a solution to the first problem, but he's kind of hoping it'll sort itself out. But what's interesting about this trio who's courting Bianca is that Gremio is very much following the pattern of, I'm going to get Baptista on board. I'm going to get him in my camp. I'm going to convince him that I'm the best match for his daughter. Hortensio also disguises himself 
as a school teacher, because the only people who are allowed to see Bianca are her, are, are her school are teachers. Tutors, yeah. So he says, I'm going to go the Bianca route, and I'm going to get Bianca to fall in love with me. And Lucentio goes, I've got a servant, so I can go both routes. So he has Tranio Thanks pretend to be. to be him to convince Baptista that Lucentio should marry his daughter. And then he is going to disguise himself as a Latin tutor named Cambio. And he's going to win Bianca's heart. Uh, yes, that and he's going to he's going to woo Bianca as Cambio. And won't it be nice that um, Baptiste will never notice the difference, but when they switch, no, back? it'll never happen. So at this point, we have three people pretending to be other people. Yes, and and we're in we're in Act One, Scene One. So. This is also where one of the maybe Christopher Sly pieces would have fit in from that because mine has an adaptation. Or my adaptation, not adaptation, whatever, has a little bit that there is a piece where he says that he enjoys. I'm enjoying it, but I'm kind of sleepy. Sure, like your play though. Again, what's the point? Yeah, there is no point. Um. <laughs> No, I have played both Baptista and Tranio uh, in that summer. And, like, Tranio has some good lines. There are good lines in it. There's oh, some... you had a real bad porn stash, though. That was when I played That was when I played Baptista. It was my Burt Reynolds stash. It was bad. <laughs> it was terrible. Pictures popped up recently on Facebook of me uh, with my Burt Reynolds stash. I had a lot of hair. It, w- it was bad. Alex Bean still had hair. Oh. It was that long ago. Yeah. Tyler uh, directed that, and then we went up, and when we did it in Toledo, he played Petruchio. All right. So, yeah, but that first problem is still an issue. Who's going to marry Katarina? Luckily, Hortensio. Hortensio has a friend. I got a friend, and he it's hard to bother him about anything. He's not very particular. He's very poor. So he's really looking for some money. So I think... I think we can make this work because he's not going to be bothered by because because at one point someone has tried they're they're arguing well maybe Katarina's not that bad and then some dude comes out and he's like I tried to teach her how to play the lute and she smashed it over my head yeah she busted a lute over dude's head he probably put his hand on her leg yeah he probably deserved it probably so I, I always side Katarina yeah. What and that comes back to one of the ways that you can play, you can direct and do this play. So okay, so Portuccio's coming in with his servant Grumio, who is his groom, which is how I always remember. It. Yeah. So this Grumio, is yeah. this is the one scene that I have been in from this. Oh yeah, who were you? Uh, I was uh, Hortensio. Nice. Yeah, because uh, it was. Um, the aforementioned Jeff Sneed directed this with one J.D. Caudill, myself, and uh, St- uh, Scott Sexualty. Yeah, you did this for Shakespeare Shorts. Yep. Yeah, this, this scene. scene. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. You were Hortensio, and Jeff Sneed was... Uh, so, no, Sneed directed. Sneed directed. Scott Sexualty was, was not Petruchio. Petruchio. was Petruchio. And JD was yes, Romeo. and I was I was mooning over um over Bianca Bianca the entire time. I remember that you guys were dressed up like 
bros. Like, like prep bros with like the polo shirts and the like cardigans. Oh, tied did you double it up and pop them? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that's so how they that's how they did this. Scene. We call those yachts. Yachts. They are a yacht. Before they started calling them Chad, we called them yachts. Yep. So, all right. Let's see if I can find that photo of her. Petruchio comes in with Grumio to Hortensio, and Hortensio's like, hey, I have got what you need, and that is a chance for a rich fucking wife. She's kind of a pain, though, from what people say. Petruchio's like, I can fix it. Okay. Whatever. Whatever. Don't care. Must eat. M poor. Need mutton. Need mutton. He's like, okay, but what you have to do is I will... you. You need to go introduce yourself, but you also have to bring me along and tell her father that I'm a music teacher, okay? And that will get me in. Petruchio's like, fine, again, don't care, gotta eat. And so he goes, the other suitor who is not Grumio, 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 the old man, the, the gremlin, and he's like, all right, I know that we're always fighting. And we're rivals, but I found a wife for Katerina. And the gremlin's like, no, you didn't. It doesn't exist. It's like, you have not met my dude, Petruchio. It's like, let's put everything aside. Let's get Katerina married. As prickly as Katerina may be, Petruchio is pricklier. I did find the photo. Oh, it's delightful. That, (laughs) I don't, that... That's you on stage. That just looks like how you looked. Yes. I also, with the exception of the beard, haven't changed much over the years. That's right. How come you don't age? I grow a beard out. Look, I am I am not the one you need to be worried about. It is our very good friend, Rin, who will be on the show in, in short order, I'm sure, uh, because we are running out of plays. Um... Uh, that's the one you need to watch out for. How come you don't age? Don't deflect to he's someone else. He's a Dracula. Else. Are you a no, Dracula? No, he's not. I would not be involved with a Dracula. Says another Dracula. Yeah, no. he must be a Dracula then. Uh-uh. They're both Draculas. They're both Draculas. <laughs> Get the stakes. I've never been more insulted in my life. Yep, yep. Well, you married a Dracula. And they're both Draculas. <laughs> you know who denies being a Dracula the most? Draculas. Absolutely. Hey, Chase. Can yeah. you say blah, 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 <laughs> blah, 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 blah. So, so yes, we have all these plans and plots being set in motion and all mm-hmm. these people are conniving in different directions. And basically what we get set up is Petruchio is going to woo Katerina because Hortensio and uh, Grumio are saying, yes, go ahead and do that. We'll support you. Um, Hortensio has been told, has had Petruchio tell Baptista, that he's a music tutor. Tranio's pretending to be Lucentio. Lucentio's pretending to be Cambio, who's a Latin tutor. And if you're confused at this point, welcome to the club. This whole play is so mixed up and crazy. This is where the director turns to the costumer and says, you're the only thing that's going to keep this through line going. Don't put them all in red. And then we meet the sisters. We met... Katarina briefly earlier. Very briefly. She pa- yeah, she was just kind of passing through. This is our first actual shot of the sisters like interacting. Yeah, and so at this point, you might be watching this going, well, Katarina probably isn't that bad. All the men are probably just overreacting. I don't and know. And then you meet 
Katarina and Bianca, and Bianca has had her hands tied up. She has been bound by her sister, and she's just saying, please untie me. Please untie me. You will tell me of your suitors. Why do you have so many? How did you get so many? Give me the suitors. I'm just, I'm nice to them. So, and then Katarina, like, slaps her at one point, and it's like, oh. And just as her dad walks in, like, her, she slaps her, and then her dad walks in and is like, whoa, 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 which... I am a sibling, you're a sibling. I think we're all siblings here. Yeah. Yep. The parents always walk in just as you slap your brother or sister. Just as soon as you crack them. Actually, nobody here has a sister. I technically do have three. But they are stepsisters who I gained um, after I was married. Oh, okay. Yeah. So So after, after beaten age... Okay. Well, well past, well past whooping stages. Exactly. I've watched the Half Hill Boys together. I don't know when the whooping stage ends. See, I mean, okay. You have to have been introduced <laughs> at some point before it's illegal to hit them. Yeah. See, okay. My version of the story is: I was like eight, and my little brother Jeffrey was five, and. He was doing this thing where he was like just lying in the middle of the hallway back to the bedrooms. And I kept having to step over him as I was trying to like do my chores. Was he reading? I don't remember. He was just, just lying obnoxiously. Just him? Hey, Jeffrey, well, give, like, let us know. <laughs> Jeffrey doesn't have a side of the story because he doesn't remember. Fair. But he was lying. He was lying in the hallway and I kept telling him to move and get out of the way. And then he wouldn't. And so then one time as i was going down the hall i had my laundry basket and he was back in the middle of the hallway and i tripped over his head because he was sprawling in the middle of the hallway i.e she kicked his head and then he starts like screaming and crying and my mom comes in she's like what happened and Jeff- jeffrey's like she sat on my head and i'm like bullshit <laughs> except i didn't because i was eight but i was so mad she just she hauled off like Charlie Brown going after a football and just kicked him square in the dome. Listen. Listen. She's a Dracula. Listen. <laughs> that has nothing to do with her being a Dracula. Clearly, she didn't become a Dracula until she became a green. Well, yeah. Was, they recently celebrated the anniversary of <laughs> Cassie becoming a Dracula. That's why all of his brothers all look the same. It's a Dracula family. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he just made the weirdest monster face. It was adorable, but so anyway, yeah, Kate, Kate is being a an dick older, to her an sister. older, actually younger sibling. You know, in my experience it's always the younger siblings. <laughs> and Petruchio comes in, yeah, course, not Petruchio. Baptista one. comes in. Oh wait, you're the younger one. And scolds her, and then Petruchio comes in, and he looks. Petruchio comes in and he says, Baptista. Here you have a fair daughter, Katarina. And Baptista goes, I have a daughter, Katarina. And it's like, Jesus Rude. Christ, Dad. Come yeah, ba- on. Baptista is Baptista's a huge dick to Katarina. That's the best understatement. Rude. Yeah, well, and you have to understand that Katarina is the older the the older daughter. But it, she lost her mother at some point. And her she, dad's an asshole. And and her dad 
is not good to her. And obviously the younger sister was, you know, is the baby and everything. And so Katarina's had a rough go of it. And her dad continues to be a dickhead to her. Yeah. And so he comes and goes, I want to marry your daughter, Katarina. Do you mean Bianca? No, I mean Katarina. What, what, what's her dowry look like? Seven. Duckheads. <laughs> and he says, you know, she'll get half my stuff and there's land and lots of money. And Se- Pajuka's like, yeah, duckets. I want to marry her, Katarina. Seven thousand duckheads. I think it's a sound investment and I'm down for it. Did you mean Bianca still? Nope. So No, the taller one. Baptiste is like, sweet, Katarina, go sit on that dude's lap. And Katarina comes out and Petrugio goes, Oh, this can't be your daughter Katarina. Everybody tells me how awful she is, but this beautiful woman before me and Katarina's like, Cut the bullshit. I'm not in the mood. Oh, my Kate, you're so pretty. And they have this this verbal repartee that Which, goes on for a long time. Look, I like it. It's good. It's a good scene, especially well if you take it out of context. It feels like Beatrice and Benedict. It's a good scene. It's well written. It is. It's very it's, well written. It's, and it's these interactions that make people want to play this part. And it's these interactions... That make me sit here and go, I think there is a way to save this play from itself, but it takes so much work and so much outside additions in terms of like silent action and layering motivation. That's not on the page for you. The the blocking is vital. Yeah, because well, you and- can play this scene very flirtatious. You can play the scene with a lot of like, oh. I see you're able to actually keep up with me yeah, verbally you as I spar wits. with you. Yeah. You can definitely play it that way. And I honestly think that you need to. You need to make this scene into an honest, positive human interaction between the two of them. Because otherwise, but by the end of the scene, it's fucking terrible. Yes. Because- Kate's, well, Kate's used to being the smartest person in the room. And finally, she has someone that can, you know, hold their own. Is this what it's like to find the mattress? Sorry. <laughs> we all just watched Hamilton. It, it's July 4th when we're recording right now. <laughs> Hamilton came out yesterday. I, I did not watch Hamilton. You're you should. It slaps. No. I've listened to the music. I have no interest. Okay. Good. It's not. Musicals are one, not my thing anyway. Oh, yeah. I forgot. That's right. Yeah. We, we did <laughs> literally talk about that an hour ago. So. Petruchio, like, Baptista comes back in and he's like, hey, how's things going? Petruchio's great. We're going to get married on Sunday. And Kate's like, no, we're not. <laughs> and Petruchio's like, no, no. She's just putting on a show. She doesn't want you to know how much she loves me. But we are in this deep and we're going to do this. And she's like, I met you ten minutes ago. And he's like, she was hanging all over me. That's she was giving me kisses. Tell you what. Sunday, get a preacher here. I'm going back to Verona to arrange some shit. I'm back. And she's like, Dad, um, no? No. And Dad's like, no, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm getting rid of you. This is happening. So as soon as roadblock A has been removed, in comes the flood of suitors. Yes. And they descend in a grotesque... And it's, it's Tranio as Lucentio and Gremio as himself. And they're both uh, 
saying, I want to marry Bianca. No, I want to marry Bianca. No, I want to marry Bianca. And to quote 10 things I hate about you. What does this girl have beer flavored nipples? (laughs) (laughs) And eventually Baptista says a line that makes you think that maybe he's going to be a decent person for once. And he goes, gentlemen, gentlemen, it is your actions and not your words that will win the hand of my daughter. Who's going to give me the most stuff for her? It, it's start, like, thanks, it starts. Dude. It starts out strong. It starts out real strong, and then goes <laughs> off the rails. He had us in the first half. I'm not Who would lie. buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Comes from somewhere. And so Gremio is saying, "Well, I've got, I've got three fields." And Tranio's like, "Uh, I Lucentio have like seven fields." And they get into a pissing contest how much shit they have. Yeah, and the, and so the whole thing is, Gremio has the stuff now because he's old and creepy. Lucentio will have all of this stuff that is more than Gremio's stuff, but not until his father dies. All of which is creepy. All right. Yeah. So this play does do something that almost no other Shakespeare play does, which is the first two acts are done quickly. Oh yeah, they they It's they're yeah, we're out of act 2 already. Yep. We're now on to We're act on to yeah. act 3. So the pacing of this play is better than the pacing of almost all of the rest of them. All right. But there are some times when it does drag. Oh, yes. And including the next scene. Okay. So, we move into act 3 and we see Bianca with her two tutors, quotation marks, air quotes. Yes. Two um, guys, two guys dressed up as nerds to be tutors, but they're and uh, not tutors. Hortensio is the music tutor, and Lucentio is the Latin tutor. And Lucentio is like passing her like coded messages in Latin to tell her, "I'm actually Lucentio, and I'm here to win your hand." But he marriage. doesn't. She doesn't know fucking Latin, does she? Not really, and she doesn't believe him. She's like, "No, you're my Latin tutor. You're not here to woo me." Your name is Cambio, Your and you're is, not you told here me to that. woo me. And the whole time through this, Hortensia is like, "As soon as my instrument is in tune, I'm taking over for the music lesson." And Lucentio's casting all the shade. He's like, "Then it will never be in tune because you can't play anything." Yeah, it's a good scene between the two of them. Look, I like watching Gros jockey for placement as long as I don't have to smell the axe body spray coming off. That's fair. That's very fair. All right, so it's Kate and Petruchio's wedding day. But before that, Hortensio cracks me up because Bianca leaves, is summoned by a, a messenger. And as soon as she's gone, and as soon as Hortensio's gone, Hortensio's like, there's something suspicious about that Latin tutor. Oh. I'm not sure he is who he says he is. <laughs> I mean, I'm who I I'm say. not who I say I am either, but damn it, that guy... Ah, keep an eye on him. I got his number. Yeah, so then we're at the wedding, and Petruchio isn't there yet. Yep. Kate's there in all of her finery, waiting, shamed. And she's like, this is worse, honestly, than having to get married to him, is you telling everybody that I'm getting married to him, and now he doesn't show up. Now the motherfucker's not even here. for the first time, we see her father be a little sympathetic. He's almost kind to her. Almost, Almost. But not really. And everyone's reassuring her, like, it'll be fine. He's going to get here. He's just getting drunk. So, well, he does show up looking like he's drunk. Well, like I said, 
And she gets upset and she like leaves crying because this is like a massive slight against her. And Baptista says, I cannot blame thee now to weep for such an injury would vex a very saint, which is great. But then he continues, much more a shrew of thy impatient humor. Yeah. Like, Even if you were a saint, <laughs> but you're a bitch. So of course you're upset. It's why like, why dude, wouldn't you be upset, bitch? Dude, you keep saying the bad part. Like you keep, you say the good part. That makes everybody go, oh, okay. And then you keep talking. Yeah. So rule number one is always thinking is when only you can hear it. And speaking is when I can hear it too. And he doesn't seem to know the difference. No. He he says the loud part. The quiet part loud. And then when Petruchio does show up, he's drunk. And he's dressed basically in like a clown suit. Yeah. Yeah. He comes in in mismatched clothes. Fucking hammered off his ass. And Baptista's like, hey, hey, dude, what are you doing? Like, it's fine to do this to Katarina, I don't care, but you're actually embarrassing me now. Well, so I'm going to need you to change into some better clothes and uh, sober up. Well, my Kate loves me for me. She's not marrying me for my clothes. She'll marry me for me and who yeah. I am. Not because he looks like Buddy Holly. I'm mad at you. And they're like, why are you... <laughs> <laughs> it is very easy to get songs in my head. Don't do that. To me. She likes me. Hey, Beth. Me. Beth, we watched Cats earlier. I was going to say. Memory. No. <laughs> Skimbo shanks. I'm going to throw these in the I'm going to go get my hair ties specifically so that I can shoot both of you keeps with them. the North Mail going. <laughs> I hate everything in the he world really right now. Creepily, <laughs> so that's a that's a preview Beth, of July's Beth, Patreon content. Beth, I need you to understand what's media. happening right now. The person at this table at this moment who I hate the least is Ryan. <laughs> he did a tap dance number while staring creepily at someone. It was amazing. So this is a preview of this month's Patreon exclusive content. Chase and Beth piss everyone off. It's true. We didn't sing any of the songs on that. We got to re-record. And actually, no, I I, I realized I said something wrong, uh, wrong in that episode. This is coming out the day after that drop. Actually, no. This is coming out the same day that drops. <gasps> so all of our midnight listeners, you still have time. I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing. We do uh, have some midnight listeners. Yeah, we have one. At least. I know, I know that Joel Payne, shout out, Joel Payne, always texts me with amazing comments. Not always, but he does put them up on Facebook. I really like that. Excellent. Well, now, now Joel, now Joel is in the Discord, yeah. It's Discord, it's not Facebook. I don't even know what technology is. But no, uh, so moving on, Petruchio is drunk. He's a real dickbag, but Baptista is still a dickbag. Kate's just trying to get married here. And we don't even see the wedding. No, but then we... We uh, we get a report of the wedding in the next scene. Yep, and then they get they get all hauled off to Petruchio's house. And and the, the report of the wedding that we get is that Petruchio was just absolutely fucking insane. Just a fucking dickhead. Like, he, like, yelled at everybody, and he, like, stole the... Made the priest drop his Bible, and he was the drunkest bridesmaid. He was, <laughs> he was he, the drunkest bridesmaid. He was indeed. So, 
And we hear all of that. He from, may have even tried Gremio. to sleep with a groomsman. <laughs> he at least was wearing a bridesmaid's dress. Yeah, that was the nicer clothes that he put on. But everybody, so and so then they have the wedding, and there's like this really nice reception that Baptista is paid for, and Patricia's like, "Come on, we're going home." And Kate's like, "Uh, could could we?" Like eat some food, we spend some time the, with our yeah. guests. Yeah, like Can we see. stay for the reception? Nope, we gotta nope. go. So we're we, going. He carries her off. We gotta hit the road, Jack. Like, throws her, like literally. Throws her over his shoulder, carries her off. And you know what the crowd says? What a well-matched couple. Uh-huh. Fuck you, family. And then they go off to uh, Petruchio's house. Freezing and we have which is cold and cold mutton. And we've got What's this this, this scene with Grumio talking to the other servants and explaining like, okay, this is how things are going to be. Our 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 guy got married. He's bringing his wife here. These are his instructions. She just open it, Beth. I'm trying to. Okay, I thought I you were trying to. I wasn't trying to stop a folio moment. My hand just wasn't working right. <laughs> I thought you were trying. Me out. I thought you were trying to be quiet, and I was like, just just do it. No, the uh, no, yeah, he he's instructing the servants to be a dickheads to Kate, like everything that she wants to do, not what she wants. Yeah. And... So if if she wants tea, bring it to her cold. If she wants sheets freshly pressed, bring it to her damp. Like everything, just a little off. Do what just, she says. Just be, just, just do it. Just a little be off. annoying about it. Yeah. So they come in, Petruchio and Kate. And a servant brings the meat, and Kate reaches for it, and Patricia's like, no, it's burnt. Take it back to the kitchen. And she's like, it was fine. The best part about that is, is what's this? Mutton? It, so. <laughs> Always cracks me up. Richard Burton screaming mutton is, like, it is in my head from watching this as a kid. Mutton? Mutton? And that's pretty much how he said it. What's this? Mutton? And so, yeah, but... I will, uh, no, it, it always makes me laugh. And Kate's like, the meat was, it was fine. Just fine. There was no reason, like, there's no reason to set it back, let alone to abuse the servant the way Sent that you did. Send back the shitty mutton. And he's like, no, 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 no. It was horrible. I couldn't serve that to you, my beautiful bride. And she's like, oh, oh, okay. And he has the servants take her to her chamber. <laughs> And then he outlines for the audience what his plan is. Yep, he's going to keep her awake all night. He's going to train her. He's going to like he's a gonna, falcon. Going to do psychological torture to his wife. And he like spins this for the audience, like I'm going to gaslight her, and I'm going to psychologically torture her. So everybody who really didn't like how things ended in Twelfth Night really shouldn't like any of this play. Yeah, he's going to be a real dick. He's going to psychologically traumatize his new wife in order to tame her. You can't see my my air quotes, but they're there. Yeah. You can hear them. The implied, implied air quotes. All right, so let's go back to Bianca and her beer-flavored nipples. <laughs> what? That's true. It's, and this is the scene... All in the movie. This is the scene where everybody is starting to, like, reveal their secret identities. Because well, yeah, Hortensio cause... is revealing, I am not Elysio, the, the music, music tutor. Tutor, I am Hortensio. Hortensio. It's my fault. 
that your sister's married to a fucking madman. And Trania's I like that for you. Trania's like, I'm not Lucentio. I'm Tranio, his servant. Well, and they um I mean they find the real Lucentio and Bianca kinda Canoodling. Canoodling is what my what my scene description says. Canood- does, did it say canoodling it in does. your scene description? It does. Cranio and Hortensio see Lucentio and Bianca canoodling. Ah. I thought you were going to say like how, what your mom would say. I'm trying to think of what my mom would say. Taking the cure. I don't know. She would say something Taking like... Taking the cure? Mm-hmm. I prefer to take the Depeche mode. Bumping the uglies. Uh, making the beast with two backs. No, they're just canoodling. Enough to Nirvana. They're not fucking. Neck. Oh, my mom calls it necking. 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 Not canoodling. It's necking. Necking. Yeah. Yeah. She calls it necking. In the vernacular of Joyce Singer. Necking. Thanks for listening, Joyce. So basically, I think, and honestly, (laughs) quarantine will keep her from being able to hit me. It's okay. (laughs) During these scenes, I got like I was so confused by who everybody was and who knew who people were and who didn't know who people were that like it was hard to follow. But I think that at this point, Lucentio and Tranio have said we need someone to come and pretend to be Vincentio, my father, to convince Baptista that he's giving permission and all of these lands and things. Yeah, um, is that, did they use, if I remember right, is it Biandello that comes in to be Vincenzo? I think so. Biandello's another servant of Lucentio's. Yes. He came in, is Biandello the one who came to announce that Petruchio was coming? Maybe? No, uh, all right. Somebody is pretending to be Lucentio's father to further trick Batista into allowing... Being cool with Lucentio. Lucentio marrying... Because oh, hold on. It's the actual schoolmaster. Oh, they get the actual teacher. <laughs> yes. Sorry. It and yes. These scenes with Bianca are convoluted enough that it gets confusing. They're so much more but complicated the, than they need to be. It's the real schoolmaster who comes in and Tranio's like, Wait, wait, wait. Did you know that Padua is in war with where the hell he's from? To protect yourself so that they don't just kill you in the streets. We'll do you a favor. Dress, you gotta just pretend to be this guy. Dress yourself as uh, Vincenzo, and we will protect you. Just do what we say. We'll keep you safe. And the schoolmaster's like, yeah, that sounds smart. I'll do that. Sure. Open warfare? Fuck. So I think that we're going to come out of all of these Shakespeare plays with a new level of stupid, and it's called plot dumb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, very true. And Vincenzo, definitely, or well, uh, Vin- fake Vincenzo. Whatever yeah. this schoolmaster's actual name is, he's is pl- plot dumb. He's plot dumb. He's a new level of stupid. He's plot dumb. Um, I always get distracted when she starts writing pin, but I need to stop looking. But right. he's definitely plot dumb. We'll right. So, and and Tranio is like, don't worry, come to my house. We'll train you to do part. I and maybe this is just because I'm a woman. But you never go with a man to a second location the first day you meet him. That's no, nice. I mean, the whole, there's a whole John Mulaney bit on that. Definitely a good idea oh, is there? to avoid that. You're not getting me to no secondary location. Don't go well, to a yeah, second location. Well, yeah, but that's for like childhood kidnappings, not adult dates uh, gone wrong. No, nope. same. That's same pretty principle. Much, but yeah, same, that's, same principle, though. Yeah, same yeah. principle. 100%. As a woman, there's rules that you follow. 
you let your roommate know where you're going if you're meeting somebody you've never met before. Naturally. Um, you don't public any, places. You don't go to a second location. Nothing good happens after two a.m. And uh, approach your car from behind. Carry keys in your hand. Yeah, it's why when uh, I told my choreographer uh, for the show we did three years ago, hey, this uh, stranger that I've never met before that someone connected me to on the internet has promised me set pieces. We're meeting in the parking lot of a funeral home so she can take me to the Cassie, bar. Cassie, that's a terrible idea. You Full of her theater you. stuff. And my choreographer went, yeah, I'm coming with you. Oh, my God. That's so many things. It turned out to be completely legit. It was had, totally innocuous. It was totally but... innocuous. Doesn't matter. I had a roommate one who was like, hey, I'm going on a date with such and such person. I'll be home later. I'm like, okay, can you leave me their number and everything so we can find you if we need to? She comes back later. She's like, yeah, we had a really nice dinner. And then he took me out to a field of stargaze. I'm like, that was the dumbest thing you've ever done. <laughs> well, and I also remember when we were in London. He took me, out, took me out to the, a field to murder, death, kill me. It's been a while since I reminded everybody that you and I got to go to London. I, re- I reminded Chase that we got to go to London because Cats ended in Trafalgar Square. And my first, when they showed, when a cat landed on uh, Lord Nelson's head, my first phrase to Chase was, after, oh God, Lord Nelson, was, was I've been there with your wife. Um, we were also ma- but, mad at Lord Nelson for saving that cat. I was. I that was. cat was an asshole. <laughs> anyway, uh, when we went to London, uh, we had a, a day near the end of our trip where we didn't have anything specifically scheduled. So we were like kind of all on our own. You can go do what you want in London. And I was meeting a friend of mine oh, yeah. who I'd met over the internet. And we had, you know, been friends for about a year at that point. Um, but, you know, never met in person, just over the internet friend. And I told her, I was like, I'm going to be in London if you want to come down and we can meet and hang out a little bit. And you, I like, and I'm very grateful for this, but you were like, I'm going to wait here until they show up. I'm going to meet this person before I let you go off with them. I'm expecting you back here at this point, like at this time. I fully expect one what of my friends. What a good big. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I yeah. fully expect any one of my friends to at any time be dragged into a cornfield <laughs> and murdered. I've seen enough horror movies. I know how these things start. It'd be a weird way for things to go in the UK, though. And I don't remember this particular instance. Um, but if you had told me that you were meeting a friend who you had never met in person and that you guys were going to hang out for a while in, in another country away from where you live, then yeah, I would. Yeah, no, and I, totally I appreciated it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciated it completely. And again, that was, again, entirely sure. above board. Yeah. Like, we I'm went. Sure, I'm sure it was totally fine. That doesn't stop the fact that, yeah. No, but I appreciate I I women looking out for women, you know? It'd be great if Katarina had somebody looking out for her in yeah, this play. Yeah. I mean, and it's not... But nobody does. So she's been taken away from her family, from her home, from everything safe and secure. Uh, but she's with her husband, right? So she should be fine. Yeah. Except she's being... She's, she's being tortured. So CIA levels can we, of fucking can we get psychological torture happening. This is something that we have to talk about with Katarina. Absolutely. Is, fem- is female safety feminine safety? That makes it sound like it's a poise commercial or something. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's like we're talking about pads or something. Is that poise? I don't know. I assume it. It is okay. But I'm just I'm remembering the last time I used gross female phrases like snail trail, and we cut it out. <laughs> What's well, the snail trail? <laughs> that is gross. Anyway, this, that phrase is gross. I'm not saying you haven't forgotten it since I said it, though, have you? I knew it before then. But when we see Kate again, 
Shurkia's not there. She's with Grumio. And she's saying, Grumio, please. I just had some fucking Just please bring me food. I have not eaten since I got married. He's like, oh, well, do you want this? Yes. I can't give you that. How about this? Yes. Yes, that's fine. I can't give you that either. So she punches him in the fucking face, which is completely warranted. Petruchio comes in. Well, she follows the I'm gonna make a teeth bleed school of getting shit done. (laughs) Bitches get shit done. That's right. Tina Fey told me that, and I believe her. Alright. So Petruchio comes in with Hortensio just as, and again, this is like your parent always walks in. Right on time to watch her fucking cold cock Grumio. And just punches him square in the face. And trust me, if you kept me away from food that long, I would fucking punch you too. I would punch Ryan if you kept me away from food for like 20 minutes. Chase, six hours. Cassie, two days. Wow, whole 48. She's wily and she'd hit me back. That's also true. Ryan would also hit me back. spelling right now, sorry. But. I would get angry with him faster if he kept me away from food. Mm. He usually feeds me. It doesn't work the other way. I've, I've never kept anyone from food. It's true. Actually, it's really weird that you didn't grill me anything today, because I think it's been like 12 years that you've grilled me food on July 4th, so I'm a little usually weirded it, out. Usually it happens, but... Yeah, I'm a little weirded out. But, but yes, then Petruchio comes in, and we get to see this torture... First hand, and the torture isn't limited to Katarina. It's all these people that he brings in. He brings in a haberdasher, and the haberdasher has done exactly what Petruchio has said. And then all of a sudden, he starts berating him, like, "How dare you make this wrong? It's not the right size. She can't have that. How dare you!" Like, punches him and kicks him out. Oh, it's fine. Please stop. And then, yeah, and then she's like, "It's fine." And then a tailor comes in, and the same thing happens. And he's like, "She's in rags. She needs to be in a new dress." And he brings in a dress. She's like, "That's gorgeous." And he's like, "No, it's not. It's horrible. It won't fit you. It's all ratty." And she's like, "No, it's fine." And he kicks the tailor out. Well, it's, so, like, it's all part of it's par- all part of his psychological torture. Yeah, of and her. Like, it goes down to even the time of day because there's a banter back and forth about, "Well, it's seven o'clock and we need to leave or we need to do something." No, it's not seven. It's two. I am your lord and master. I said it's seven. It's seven, seven o'clock. It's not seven, it's two. I mean, the sun's out. You can see it. Well, if I say the sky is green, the sky is green. Yeah, every everything that everything that Petruchio is doing, every part of it yeah. is his is his gaslighting of her. And back to Bianca. And gaslighting's not okay. Yeah. Nope. I'm just gonna, you know, blanket statement that one. That's, uh, that's a hard that's a, position to take there, my dear. <laughs> Gaslighting's not okay I ever. A, I think that's a valid, a very valid so, blanket statement. And there are so many layers of mental abuse going on here, disguised as adorable training of your wife. Well, it's disguised as care. Because Hor- Hortensio comes to see how to train your wife. How to tame your wife. Like, that is why he says he came to his... Yeah, so Hortensio is here for some reason. He's not wooing Bianca anymore. He's gone, I'm sure she loves me. It's fine if I leave her house while the other two guys who are still pursuing her are still there. I'm sure that will be okay. Even though I saw her canoodling. Meckin. Well, is this... Is this? Uh, have we hit the point where Hortensio has found himself yep. the rich widow? Well, we he's... He, no, but he did say that I am done with Bianca. Yeah, he's kind he's of gone like because he does. I would say I didn't but remember if we were quite there yet. I don't think he's he found is, the rich he widow. He's after the. He ends up after the rich widow. 
So Yeah, he does reach a point where he's like, well, Gremio's got me beat with her father, and Lucentia's got me beat with Bianca, so I've got no horses in this race anymore, so... All I did was give this terrible guy to Katarina. So, and back back in Padua, there's a different level of lying going on. Because fake Vincentio is promising the lands and the money and everything to his son, who's not really his son, in front of Baptista, who's like, all right. I like this. I like this. Um, I will allow his son to get, I will allow your son to marry. Well, we'll allow it. And this is oh. not Vin, this is not the real Vincenzo. It's not the real Vincenzo at all. So, this is school fake teacher. schoolmaster so, Vincenzo. Real Lucenzo goes, cool. I'm going to grab Bianca and we're going to go get married right now. So they elope. And literally, as soon as Baptista says it's cool, right? Yeah, they get married right then. They get married right then. Then we go back to Petruchio. And well, yeah, they're making their way back to Padua. So Petruchio and Katrina, uh, Katerina and um, Hortensio, because he's still there. I don't know why. Yeah, and this is where we get like, oh look, that thing up in the sky—it's the sun. No, it's the moon. I say it's the sun. So what is it, Kate? It's the moon. And then the real Vin. Sencio rides down his old graybeard and he goes, oh look it's a virgin man hi virgin man very good Kate no it's not, you're crazy that's an old man with a beard oh old man, your stockings are falling can I have another biscuit? <laughs> and it's horrifying it is but they meet the real Vincentio who's like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on my way to Padua to see my son, it's been a Hot second since we've talked, and been a minute. Heard he was going to be there, and Patricio's great. Lucentio's about to be my brother-in-law, and Vincentio's like, I don't see how that's possible. I don't trust this man, which is good because I wouldn't either. And we get to Act Five, um, <laughs> and everything starts to come together. So, slash, well, fall this, apart. This, is, this is the Hortensio finds a rich widow. Oh yeah. Okay, um, so here's where we get to the rich widow. Right, because well, and, and he's Vin- like, there's no way my son is marrying your sister. And Hortensia goes, yes, it is in fact true. I lost to him. But in losing, I have also found me a rich widow. And everybody knows a rich widow is better than a poor virgin. <gasps> See ya. And he like exits stage left, despite the fact that he left. Like he's in a train of people <laughs> yeah. going to Padua. Like, and I want to like, know like what fucking carrier pigeon found him on his way that told him like drop the newspaper off about the rich widow because yeah he's come from petruchio's house maybe it wasn't the classifieds like when did he find out like yeah did he like pick up a newspaper at uh at petruchio's and and uh and yeah but so they get they mail, get to mail order rich widow. Yes, they it's get to the, the, just just add water. Classifieds. Just add water. R W seeking D M. <laughs> Dumb mail. Got it. <laughs> got it. Got it. Uh, I but gotcha. they they arrive at Baptista's house and Petruchio sees the the school teacher and he goes, "Hey, uh, can you go tell Lucentio that his father Vincenzo is here to see him?" And the fake school teacher goes, no, I can't because I'm his father. 
Vincenzo. And Vincenzo's like, the hell you are, dude. The fuck you say? And then they're like, imagine how incredibly fucking confused Katarina is. She's like, I don't know which light is. Which one am I supposed to back? Who's actually gaslighting me and who's I'm just confused? Um, Who's, who's, yeah, who's just. just How far does this conspiracy go? There are enough people lying that I am out. (laughs) And so then, then somebody goes to get Lucentio, but they bring out. Tranio and the pedant's like, ah, oh, yes, this is my son Lucentio. And Vincenzo's like, the fuck it is. And That's like, my fucking servant Tranio. So he assumes, I love this, he assumes that Tranio has killed Lucentio <laughs> and assumed his, his name and identity yep. to trick so Baptista. He stole his identity. What's that Jude Law movie that that happened in? The. With Matt Damon? Yeah. Talented Matt, Mr. Ripley. Talented Mr. Ripley, where Matt Damon kills... Hey, spoiler alert. Matt Damon kills Jude Law on the boat and then pretends to I think to be, it's been like 20 years since that movie came out. At least 15. Look, I turn it off and they get in the boat together. Because if Jude Law's not in it, I'm not watching it. I, so then, I have not actually ever watched it. I just knew what you were talking about. And so then, Gremio and Baptista both come out and they're both vouching for the fact that Trinio's Lucentio. He has to be this. We told him he was. And Vincenzo's like, I'm telling you, that's not my son. And then the real Lucentio walks in and Vincenzo goes, oh, my sweet son, you're alive. And he's like, uh, yeah. Duh. Dad. Was there. Dad, I told you to stay at home. <laughs> Dad, there... I told you you had this covered. You're going to fuck everything up, Dad. And oh, ba- Baptista's like, where's Lucentio? And Lucentio's like, oh, well, actually, that's me. Also... Your daughter and I are hella married now. Like, we straight up eloped because you said it was cool. Thanks. Hi, pops. Wait, hold on. What? <laughs> That's not really Vincenzo. That's not really Vincenzo. <laughs> I'm like, really your son-in-law. And that's my daddy. And then at this point, Kate's just like, I give up. It's fine. Whatever anybody wants to tell me, fine. Fuck, I believe it. Whatever. It's I just, cool. I take it. Yeah. Okay, fine. We're, it's good. Okay. And Vincenzo cool, finally cool, goes. Cool, 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 cool. I don't know what's going on. Um, right. Vincenzo eventually goes. All right. I will give my son everything that dude said he would give that dude, who's not my son. I'm confused, but I'll give my son some money. Sure. Whatever it is, we'll make it happen. Now let's go celebrate some weddings. Kiss me, Kate. Yeah, fine. So, uh, so yeah, so they're in, there's now been three weddings. We've had Katarina and Petruchio, we've had Bianca and Lucentio, and we've had Hortensio and the Rich Widow. And that's her name. Yep, yeah, it's just Widow. Just widow. Rich Widow. Uh, Gremio's kind of like, well, I guess I'll cut my losses then. That's guess good, because she's Guess I'm married. going home by myself to thwack the general. <laughs> And that's the uh, callback square on your bingo cards. We tie it back to one of the obscure ones. Man, that took a long time to come up with a masturbation joke today. Calling it back to two two plays ago. All right. I like to think that Gremio just kind of looked around and went, this family is uh, fucked up, and I kind of got out of here just in time. (laughs) Gremio. Yeah, Gremio's like... (laughs) You I'm know, a I'm a peace out actually. I dodged a fucking bullet today. So <laughs> I've been dodging bullets my whole life. 
And so then we get this scene where with the wives, with the wives, where the widow and Bianca are like, "Yeah, we said we'd obey you, but you, we all know that's not going to happen, right?" The well, wives the widow run the household. Was super, super mean to Katarina. She, she's like, "You're fucking true, and I hate you." And Katarina's like, "You don't know me. Uh, we just met, bitch. You don't know me. You don't know what I'm about." And the husbands are sitting back, like taking bets on who's gonna win. Who's whose wife is gonna come when they call? And, so, and they go, how do you call your lover boy? Your lover boy. So, and so, so yeah, so Lucentio and um, Hortensio both, like, summon their wives, and Bianca and the widow are like, fuck no. Nope. But Petruchio summons Kate, and she comes, and she gives this speech that is one of the most talked about speeches. When you talk about this play, this speech gets brought up all the time, because it is the speech that Kate gives, basically saying, women, submit to your husbands. But it is the longest speech in the play. And we're going to talk about that when we get to our language from a bit. Okay. Yep. And there's... there's. But that's the five-five. There's... There's... Uh, there's ways that it's played, obviously. That, yeah. Uh, but it is this long speech where she's saying, yeah, I submit to my husband and we are perfectly happy. And you can be perfectly happy if you submit to your husband and all things, too. And that's where the play ends. Yep. Well, not quite. Well. There is a bit after with Hortensio. They have to high-five each other. Well, Baptista, Hortensio, and Lucencio sitting there uh, talking about how Petruchio tamed the shrew. It's so irritating. So yeah. we're going to have a lot to talk about in part yeah. two of this. Yeah. Um, tune in for some rants that are feminist as fuck. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think anybody sitting around this table is going to uh, take the side that is not the feminist side. What about you, so. Chase? I had, growing up, a lot of positive associations with this show. Those have since been dissuaded. Good job, you've tamed your chase. <laughs> the taming of the chase. But it is, you know, it. I'm interested to see what everybody has to say about how this show can be fixed or if it should be fixed. And that's as actually, Cassie goes to write another pin. And that actually is like a, a huge should thing. It, should it be fixed? Because there are, as we have discovered in the, what? Three years of doing this show. Oh my god! Two and a half, I think. Two and a half right. years, yeah. three years of doing this show. Like, there's a lot of Shakespeare plays. Not all of them need to be. There, there are so many other shows. Just do another show. I'd rather do Pericles. Would Ooh, you rather do King statement. John? No. Okay. Well, so there's I like a line. King John. Don't get me wrong. I have a little more respect for King John than I did before I read it. Bow bar to jump. We're grading on a curve. Exactly. There's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of good words in this play. There is some good banter. There are some interesting interchanges. There's also a whole hell of a lot. If you got a Shakespeare short to do, if you need to pull there a, are good a one scenes, act, yes. But there's a whole hell of a lot of gaslighting. There's a whole there's like CIA levels of psychological and torture being like, done. 
maybe that's a reason to do this show, but don't frame it as a fucking comedy. No, and that's no, the, and actually, that's, that's the, the conversation. That's a big thing that I want to have a uh, have with this to talk about is this is not a comedy. No, this is this is like class A psychological torture. This is some unless, capital S shit. Unless, unless you pull the guy in sneak. Which we will talk about. All right. All right. But that, this has been. Is that the, like the Romsky fate? Yes. Okay. God, you made that, somehow you made that nerdier. <laughs> Good job. This has been the Shakespeare podcast, uh, talking about Taming of the Shrew. I'm Ryan Halfhill. I'm Beth Roars. I'm Cassie Greenlee. We I'm know. Chase Greenlee. We got, we got a lot, lot to, to get a into. We got a of pins. We got a lot of pins, and this has already been almost an hour and a half. We got a fuckload really? of pins. Really? It felt like it went time. fast. It did. It did feel like, well, we did, we kibitzed a lot of things. We, we yeah, did. we got a lot of cold open. Cold open was very long oh. this time, which is fun. Because I you know what? We haven't met in person in a while. It's so. been a rip. Um, Would you say it's claps? Might. The second half of this is probably. But you know who, who would have told you? Moose out front should have told you. Moose up. That's right. Podcast, Podcast over. over. Moose, Moose out, out front, front should have told you. You'd be proud of me. That's how I ended our little feature. Awesome. Excellent. Good night, John boy. Good night. Say good night. Magic babies. Ah, dicks. Ah, dicks. <laughs>